0: From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray.
1: Structure and routine is actually part of uh, a core of well-being, and I would say it's even more important at this time because of so much uncertainty and unpredictability that routine is reassuring and comforting.
0: On this special episode of What the Job, I am joined by professor and registered psychologist Dr. Christina Rinaldi. Dr. Rinaldi's research focuses on social and emotional development in children and adolescents. We talk about all the ways kids and parents are affected by the pandemic. I ask her about loosening up on screen time restrictions, how we can talk to children about COVID-19, and what this unique situation means for kids' long-term development. So what's your name and what's your job?
1: My name is Christina Rinaldi, and I'm a professor of school and clinical child psychology in the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Alberta.
0: And can you tell us a little bit what you do for that job, and maybe just a little bit in general about what your research is all about?
1: Sure. Um, My research focuses on social and emotional learning and development of children and adolescents, and uh, specifically studying children uh, and adolescents' primary relationships, so the parenting child relationship, their peers and their relationships with their teachers, and how all of these critical relationships in their lives um, are there to help promote directly and indirectly social emotional development.
0: And today, normally, this is a career advice podcast. Normally, we would be coming to people to tell them, I don't know, you'd be giving advice on how you became a professor and the different twists and turns in in that kind of career path. But we're in a new reality right now. A lot of people are working at home and they're also raising their children at the same time. Many of them are trying to homeschool their children. So the topic today we want to talk about is a little bit um, about how families can adjust in this difficult time uh, and a little bit about childhood development in this time. Um, so the first thing that I would like to ask you a little bit about is just in general, um, how are kids being affected when they're at home and away from other children? They're not in school around other kids.
1: Um, well, it's most likely that most children are at home with parents and siblings or other human beings, um, since families come in all shapes and sizes, um, it's true that they're not with their peers or their classmates right now. So while they may not be receiving like the social engagement to the level that they're used to, um, we know this is temporary. So it isn't that they're going to be missing out on social experiences per se, like they will never have a chance to experience that again. They will. Um, What perhaps is really what we're uh, concerned about is the level of stress that accompanies with the Uh, uncertainty. But by being at home, yes, they're missing out on uh, the day-to-day interactions and the learning that comes from all those kind of socialization opportunities. So the team sports, the school activities, the play dates, Um, you know, for younger kids, it's turn taking. I mean, that's what preschool years are all about, is that you, you line up, you have routine, and you learn how to wait your turn, even when you don't want to. Um, But now we have to do that at home, I suppose.
0: Well, and to that point, does that mean parents should be trying to structure kids' day in the same regard, having those same sort of things that they would have got in school?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can, I think structure is, is probably a really good um, thing to have and routines and building in routines in family day-to-day life now that um, we're required to be at home is uh, something that's really positive. For both the adults and for the kids, so you can follow the same kind of Monday Friday structure and then weekends can be a little bit more distinctive that could be something that families want to kind of uh, apply and try out. Um, Structure and routine is actually part of uh, a core of well-being and I would say it's even more important at this time because of so much uncertainty and unpredictability that routine is reassuring and comforting and also helps parents and children uh, both uh, figure out a, a new normal for themselves. Um, and, but I also encourage flexibility. So I mean, we, we, we want a routine, but the routine has to work for us. But the reason why we put those in place is to really give us a sense of purpose and well being. And it really is part of general mental health and well being practice in general.
0: So you talked about stress, kids in stress just a second ago, having a routine is a way of reducing stress for kids?
1: Yeah, for both parents, adults, and for the kids. So uh, it it helps them um, have a sense of control and also uh, know what to expect. Um, There's something very calming and soothing about having um, things happen when they're supposed to happen.
0: But likewise, you don't need that schedule to be like there can be some flexibility to the schedule.
1: Sure. And I think you can also, depending on the age of the kids, have input as to what those schedules might look like.
0: Talking about age of kids, because I just wondered this as you were talking as well, Is it does it vary dramatically, you know, the difference between a four-year-old in terms of how they are developing and, say, an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old? Um, should you be altering the way that you schedule your day according to the needs of their age?
1: Well, a lot of them right now are dealing with... So, yes, age does matter, to answer your question, very directly. Um, it, but based on uh, the fact that the school year was canceled... Um, We know that different ages are being given different level or a different amount of support from their teachers and schools and the amount of uh, work that's being expected and released. And so the routine would look different. And that even varies, like, Teens are probably more self-directed, not completely. They do need some guidance and support as well. But they're probably starting to, because developmentally, that's an age where they do take more responsibility for themselves and want to show more ownership. But it's probably a really busy household with the early uh, elementary years in that they do require and expect more structure from the adults in their lives, so from their teachers. And so now we're seeing that kind of... um, migrate to parents
0: i hear from friends of mine who are parents that have you know two-year-olds three-year-olds four-year-olds any kids under the age of six it seems how incredibly difficult it is to manage their kids in this time one thing that i'm curious about if say school is still not um let's say skills school is still online or distance come the fall and they are have their kids at home and they're working from home Uh, for the foreseeable future. Do kids adapt to this kind of life? Or is it always something difficult?
1: Um, That's a good question. I mean, uh, it's unprecedented. So they haven't had to do this for long periods of time. But do I think that children as all human beings are quite uh, adaptable and resilient? Absolutely. Um, But with supports and with good healthy habits and coping strategies because um as we hear stories or i hear stories it's like people are just depending on where you live in the country of course or in the province it's like with the good weather they're like at least we can send the children in the backyard um, but with the younger children play is an important component so i think um you know, how how they learn from play and not being too concerned because parents are like, what do I need to do? Do I need to set up specific activities for them? If they have siblings and they can actually play with their siblings or engage in uh, in the early years, they're starting to do, uh, sure, they do parallel play if they're really young, but as they get older, they start to do more um, pretend play. And they learn a lot from that and using their imagination and creativity, which we don't get to see a lot of actually when we're overscheduled and busy with activities. In fact, at, uh, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, we'd be having the conversation that kids are overscheduled. And now we have the opposite. We've gone from one uh, uh, side of this uh, spectrum to the other.
0: That's, you know, that is so true. And I never really thought of it that way. <laughs> uh, and also likewise, um, parents are spending a lot more time with their kids. I wonder what the effect that is on children's development as well.
1: Well, spending time with your kids is a great thing. So I can't say there's too much of, uh, of that because in general, um, people have, uh, have been complaining that they haven't had this kind of quality time. So I'm also hearing some positive stories that uh, parents are saying they do have uh, physical time, so being in the same spaces. But having said that, there is um, there are some distinctions about being physically together and then physically present or like being f- present with uh, children. So even carving out time, setting boundaries, and making distinctions between different kinds of activities. So being being with your child in a one on one or uh, a more meaningful. Kind of activity is is important as well, Um, especially when we get to talking about things like um, social emotional development and how parents can be in tune or listen to their children, um, especially if their children are raising certain kinds of. Questions or issues that they have about what's going on or if it's just about, um, you know, how they're caring for their pet or if talking about their grandparents or connecting with people online. Um, so there's lots of different kinds of opportunities for, for parents um, with their kids.
0: Speaking of activities and structure and things that kids are trying to do now that they're at home, uh, I think it's likely that for most families, screen time has gone way up. We read a lot about screen time, especially for young children. Is it okay that they're getting more screen time for the time being, at least?
1: Um, For the time being, I would say let's be, uh, maybe I'm going to say this, I hope not too many times, but be kind to ourselves. Uh, We just have to. Um, we, we can't be too difficult on like things that are happening. So there are recommendations from the Canadian Pediatric Society that children under the age of two shouldn't receive any screen time at all. And then um, that two to five years, they should limit the, the amount or routine of regular screen time to about like an hour or less a day. Um, And that they shouldn't be engaged in sedentary behaviors. Um, And we know there's lots of research on that. And it is important for both physical and social emotional development. But bottom line is that Uh, We shouldn't be too concerned if it's happening, but looking at those routines that we talked about earlier on, if we're being really uh, mindful about what we're doing and how we're spending our our time, we can increase the amount of time we have to read books as well, or to do other kinds of activities, and I would be thoughtful about planning for screen time, so don't worry what's been done up to now, or or that you're getting into, perhaps these habits, you can break those habits by thinking about when you want to schedule screen time so you can it doesn't have to be an all-day thing because even as adults we all know that these terms that have come up in the past five years of binge watching um and and adults do this it's like where did the time go what just happened i watched a whole season of killing eve or something (laughs) it's like (laughs) i didn't plan on doing that but anyway
0: that's a great show though um (laughs) uh (laughs) So can I just ask you, how are things going in your house? Uh, how are you managing? How are you working? How are things with your kids?
1: Yeah, it's it's a challenge of the work environment, I have to say, with the adults, actually, just carving out space. We, uh, my work as a psychologist um, right now, you have to work remotely, obviously virtually, and we need a secure, quiet space for that, and then... Um, my, um, spouse is also working from home. And so it's, and logistically, I have kids who are working on, uh, well, one who's working on a grade 12, uh, finishing up, um, grade 12 in high school. And then I have another child in university writing exams as we interview right now. So.
0: Busy. <laughs> Do they take your advice? Busy. Are you able to give them advice? <laughs>
1: Um, well, that is always that that is a great question. I have lots of advice, but actually, I need to listen too, and so a lot of the times it's more about being there and listening rather than giving advice because when I do give advice, I don't think anybody believes I'm an expert.
0: <laughs> You've got to persuade your own kids that you're the expert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they okay. definitely hold me to task.
0: You know we talk about. Raising children right now under these circumstances, a real stress for parents. But there are so many other stresses out there compounding. It's not just a pandemic. There's an economic collapse. People are concerned about their jobs. Parents are concerned about their own parents who are especially susceptible to this virus. All that stress. um, Are children affected by the stress that their parents are feeling?
1: Um, Certainly. Children, like all human beings, were affected by... Uh, what's happening around us and how the people around us. So for kids especially, we they get their cues from the adults in their environment. So if their stress levels are high, they definitely pick up on that. They can sense that. I know a lot of parents say, "Well, I'm really careful about not talking about this," or they they don't know. I'm I'm really trying to. I, I have a feeling they're little sleuths. They're quite good. They they can pick up on these cues, these subtle cues. So they definitely do. And um, some ways that parents can maybe um, get a better hold of this is to um, do some things for themselves. So if they take care of themselves and they manage their own stress levels, this, um, is step one to helping their children manage it. Although there's specific strategies to help children manage their own stress, um, around, um, the financial or, or, uh, and, or the pandemic actually both probably. Um, so for parents, they can practice self-care, which is something that we hear a lot about, but it's actually a deliberate. Activity. It is um, something that you have to think about and practice and commit to. So it means making time for yourself, prioritizing um, healthy choices when it comes to your health and Uh, mental health, so physical and mental health. So whether it's eating and exercising, it's also a little theme here is about being realistic. So the being kind ties into like being realistic, let's not be unrealistic. So for some people, they're really enjoying cooking these days. And I think that's a great thing. It's a great strategy, like they're reconnecting because they have the time to, and they're not rushing from one activity. But then don't put the pressure that you end up having to be like the best uh, cook ever and post all your pictures. If you get great satisfaction from that, perfect. But if you feel now you're in a competition and you have to make the best banana bread ever, I, I say like, let's not <laughs> buy into that. <laughs> and and remember that we need to be realistic and a little bit, um, you know, just accepting of these choices, but not necessarily being uh, overly hard on ourselves. I think it's important to set boundaries. So between work, which is blurring right now for people. And I'm hearing that being a constant people are saying, and and yes, it's anecdotal because I haven't done a study on it, but I've talked to so many parents and friends as well. They're like, I think I'm working 24 seven. I think I'm on all the time. And those boundaries are blurring because, um, people's work lives at home, if you're fortunate enough to be working at home, um, it is really difficult to set time aside and to then go back to the first few tips that I said about make time for yourself and make healthy choices. So people are figuring that out. And um, also they need to include things that they enjoy to do um, and build that into their weekly schedule and going back to the power of routines that's why we have the routine so we can build all of this stuff in there and we get little doses of some things and big doses of other stuff but then at the end of the week we're like oh yeah i i got a bit of that stuff and maybe next week i'll do this differently but um and it's okay because (laughs) right now we have the time to do this differently in the following week and try things out
0: yeah i think that work from home thing where um, in terms of like establishing routines, it's uh, difficult when like if, if your kitchen table is where you work when you're eating dinner later at your kitchen table, sometimes it feels like you should be working because you're at your workplace. So it can be a real challenge to try to um, separate your workspace from your home space when you work at home.
1: And there is no catch all. For parents, uh, if they're like, well, how do I do that for some you really need to time it and you have to and maybe like having timers or, or, you know, that's a friendly reminder for the kids, if they're at the age where they can follow your timer like you put them in an activity and you set yourself out in a a power um, session of like I'm going to uh, give myself an hour or an hour and a half to be realistic. And then we both, um, like we all, or I'm, I'm saying the parent and the child, but if there could be more people, and then we have our breaks together. I mean, you have to see what works for each family situation and scenario, um, but some will need that. And some it's like, no, the timer will not work at my house. So then what does, right? And then you find that, yeah, it's the end of the day. And what has happened? <laughs> what did we get accomplished or what happened? And that's why that practicing either some self-compassion and kindness is important because we, we are figuring it out. We have been asked to, um, and there's work employment uh, groups that just focus on how to make a good work environment. I mean, we're not Google we don't have like a pinball machine <laughs> in our homes to give us like and snack bar just to help us with our work day. This isn't the environment where we are making do. and I think um, I think for the most part people are doing a, as good as they can and and they're they're not doing like I give them a, an A for effort.
0: I think and that's kind of the best that we can hope for right now. and I think I hope people recognize that they are coping admirably under these situations. I hope people aren't trying to be, aren't trying to replicate the conditions that they had before now, because it just seems like an impossible task. So you you mentioned that kids are little sleuths. They figure things out. Should parents talk to their kids about the pandemic? And if so, what are the strategies for doing that?
1: There are a lot of good resources out there um, about talking to kids. Um about the pandemic. And um, they basically, some of the advice that I've heard, and it makes sense is that parents should probably have the correct information. Um, So they should inform themselves. Um, But part of the stress component is not to bombard children, even if they are teens and can absorb the information they have to limit the amount of news and access to, um, that pandemic related information that's out there. Um, I'm having a feeling that the majority of the instruction or education around the pandemic probably happened in early days because of the practicing of hygiene and trying to understand how germs and why this is spreading more than, um, like other types of colds and flus and, um, Things that we catch, so I think answer children's questions for sure, um, but limit the amount of information uh, based on age and what they can handle. They might actually be reviewing this in their school materials. I'm not sure if they are. So for parents, they might want to find out what the teachers or in their respective grades are covering with you know um, on this topic. Some might be covering it in their different subject materials and they and they can just supplement but of course at home it's a modeling and practicing good hygiene and practice uh, they are doing what they're doing the explanation of why they have to be at home all related to things that they are following and there are good uh, reputable sites um, for parents about how to talk according to their age of the child
0: One thing I've read about in articles is that this situation will perhaps live with children for the rest of their lives. It carries forward with them in their development. Um, Can you speak a little bit to how the trauma of this, I don't know if trauma is the right word, affects childhood development and how it affects them in that long term?
1: Yeah, sure. There have actually been a lot of conversations recently about whether this constitutes trauma or not and... Um, I mean, if you go to the definition of trauma out there, it's that it's um, a deeply distressing or disturbing event, um, and it impacts our ability to cope, and at the heart of it, it really is about threatening our safety and well being. So if you think about the health pandemic, and then you think about financial or economic crises that we're finding globally, but even more locally, provincially, that we're finding ourselves in, it's definitely threatening our safety levels. So so trauma would be an appropriate word. Um, It does affect our emotional stress and development, uh, especially if it's compromising our ability to cope, and it starts to cause feelings of Um, helplessness. Um, We want to provide support and intervene so that we can give children and families that ability to regain some agency and control over their lives. So without the appropriate supports and coping, uh, we'd really be concerned with um, long-term effects. I'm not saying that there won't be long-term effects for all of us, but um, if certainly we're being impacted. But I mean, the long-term effects that we're really concerned about is when, um, for those most vulnerable who are experiencing helplessness and don't have the supports or can't reach out for um, support to help with coping skills and managing that.
0: Likewise, I wondered about children in stress, if they are stressed about this, what are, what are the signs of childhood stress, what should we be looking for? How do they express stress?
1: There are some similarities um, with adults, but for but yes, they might present stress. Children do present stress or can in different ways. Um, that, again, is developmentally different. So we might look at it as um, there's some behavioral signs and that can be being more clingy or acting out. And so we might see some changes in their behavior that we, um, that we haven't seen before. Uh, the development of fears or um, nervous habits, or they, can, um, they might be um, just engaging in behaviors that are slightly different than what they typically have. Uh, they also might have difficulty concentrating, or they could even withdraw. So there could be a series of behavioral and emotional cues. Uh, physically, we can um, see a, an increase or a decrease in appetite, or they might be complaining about um, a somatic, like stomach and um, tummy aches or headaches and things like that there could be some bedwetting um, sleep problems and nightmares um so there, they could be in the form of physical as well as behavioral and emotional um cues that we see and changes but mainly changes in behavior I mean we if these are like new or have emerged just in the in the recent few weeks um, but weren't there before that could be
0: result. And if parents are noticing these things, what what can they do to try to help their children?
1: Well, the the biggest component is being there, being a caring, responsive adult and meeting uh, children's emotional needs. Um, But again, we talked about parents' management of their own fears and own anxiety, which is definitely natural to have at this point in time. Um, So we talked a little bit about that, but with respect to managing children's um, stress levels and um, depending what level of anxiety, we can have parents engage in um, checking in with their kids. So where are they at? Listening to them, um, that might take the form of like some sort of self-reflection. So seeing um, how their children are doing and actually listening to that. And practicing just really good um, mental health and well-being practices uh, that serve us well at any time in our lives, which is um, how do we regulate these emotions? So um, a lot of the times we can break it down into physical ways to calm and take care of our bodies. So whether it's like self-regulation and we want to engage in breathing relaxation and positive thoughts, which is more of the line of cognitive behavioral um, kind of, and now I'm getting into my psychological terms of my work, right? Uh, The cognitive behavioral Uh, strategies that we often um, apply and that really serve us well in dealing with the reduction of um, anxious feelings or fears. Um, So again, breathing, relaxation, positive thoughts, and then we can move to problem solving and being concrete about um, what we do. So some of the same strategies that parents use for themselves um, can be applied to children like modifying for the age appropriateness. So there's meditation and mindfulness activities that are out there. Um, But it means committing to taking time to actually doing them and building that into our routines um, that I was talking about before. So what what kind of exercise do we mean? What kind of um, meditation and mindfulness practice? Well, there are actual activities that are age appropriate. So from really young to the teens, we can all be engaging in that.
0: It's funny how much of this advice that you give I think would just be useful for me, a person who doesn't have kids, but even stuff like don't overwhelm yourself with information about what's going on because uh, it's difficult to take all that in. One thing I wondered, and this is a little adjacent, um, it seems like um, academically speaking or sociologically speaking, it's a fascinating period for study. Um, We don't normally see these kinds of situations. And I wondered what sort of learnings from your field that you think you might get from this or or what kind of information that might be helpful down the road? Is that uh, that a a legitimate question? (laughs)
1: It is. I mean, there are researchers and we were on a project, it didn't get funded, but that's the life of a researcher, um, where um, there have been uh, the hurricanes and the ice storms. So there's a colleague at um, McGill um, who actually was studying, um, I think, pregnant, you know, uh, pregnant mothers uh, who who lived through those times or and then parenting in the early years during um, times of like um, an emergency or crises. But here we're dealing with, it's not an isolated area. And even in uh, Alberta, we had the Fort McMurray um, fires and um, those who are pregnant at the times are experiencing an acute uh, uh, time of stress and change to their environment while they are either parenting, but also pregnant during pregnancy. We know that that changes that, that has changes to our stress levels. And that obviously is something that affects us, but because this is happening globally, but it is different too. We're not being displaced from our homes. There is something unique about this. We're forced to stay at home, right? Um, uh, but I mentioned those other safety kinds of concerns. So for some part of the population, are we concerned about their um access to food safety and um, other kinds of things. So yes, this is a perfect thing to, to to study if you can. But how you draw conclusions from this, how we design studies about this, I guess a lot of the stuff we'll learn back. Maybe we'll listen to the interviews that we're having with people and actually getting their experiences as they live. So there's different kinds of research that we can do. Um, we can obviously ask lots of questions or we can hear people as they document their lives on a day to day. And then we'll be able to like, see what we learned as they lived through um, this very significant period of time.
0: One thing that I'm curious about, this is also a little bit of adjacent just in terms of academia and how academics function is. I feel like the general public is getting a real look into how rigorous academic projects can be, especially when it comes to science and vaccines and treatments, because that's a thing that everyone's passionate about, but people are starting to learn how much, how high the standards are in terms of accomplishing it. And we're also seeing researchers, instead of seeing them in their office with books behind them and stuff, or we're seeing them in lab coats, instead we're just seeing them in their in their basement, in their regular clothes. So I'm, I'm also curious long term, and this is just my own thought, how that perspective of the ivory tower might change going forward as well.
1: Well, I think it definitely is. Uh, I mean, I have a 96 year old grandfather who, well, he, um, he's trying to understand <laughs> what I've been doing for a living for a long time. He knows I'm a researcher. So he asked if I was actually working on the cure for this. And I was like, that's I'm a psychologist. <laughs> I don't work in virology or immunology but anyway it was kind of cute he's like isn't everybody trying to find a solution i said yes we're all doing things but differently and absolutely i mean um science is coming more to the forefront even the discussions with kids it's really neat like talking about can you really um have a vaccine and why does it take so long and why don't we just give it to people and um you can't just do something without trials and clinical trials and making sure that it's safe. And so all this thing, so where, you know, researchers get a, maybe a bad rap. Oh, you're so slow to think about things. Well, I think you have to be because you can't just give people stuff and then they get sick and you make, you know, the wrong decisions based on uh, because you've made haste. Um, I mean, we do want to find solutions to this, but, I think we're really responsive, um, we're seeing that from the spectrum of disciplines that we have, and they're all responding in different ways um, in making contributions so uh, talking about one of the strategies which is focusing on positive stories and positive thoughts. I'm blown away at how amazing my, my colleagues, um, at the U of A, but also in the broader research community, um, are coming together and connecting with, um, with humans out there (laughs) and that, yeah, we don't, we actually don't live in any tower. I haven't seen one. (laughs) We're in our basements. We're in our backyards. We're, Um, And some of us are actually working with our students still virtually and some people are physically in labs. So, I mean, I mean, and on the front lines, we know that.
0: Yeah. And I would say that uh, though you're not a virologist, the cure, and I'm putting cure in air quotes, people can't see me, uh, is more than just a vaccine. This is a more complicated thing. There's lots of lots of different levels and we appreciate expertise however we can get it and advice, however we can get it. So Dr. Rundley, thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing your thoughts. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this special episode of What the Job. I want to remind you that you can still use UAlberta Switchboard to connect with your alumni community. Switchboard is an easy to use, free service where alumni can post requests or offers. It's a great place to just give or receive advice, even in these difficult times, perhaps even especially. Check it out at uab.ca slash sboard. That's it for What the Job. I'm Matt Ray. Thanks for listening.